It's Sports by the Book at the South Point Studio. Here's Jeff Parles. Welcome in. It is a Sunday here in rainy Las Vegas. I'm Jeff Parles at Sports by the Book here at the South Point Studio. Alex White still under the weather. Hope to see her tomorrow as we begin the week of the big game here in Las Vegas. Again, just want to bring this up real quick. We will be around town this week. If you have any, if you have any, any thoughts of where you may want to see Frank go or me go or Alex go, tweet at us. Seriously, tweet at any of us. At Frank Nicotero for Frank, at Jeff Parles for me, uh, at Alex White with an extra E at the end which at one point or another confused someone in this studio. Uh, if there was a second E on, uh, on white at the end, uh, they're not in the studio right now, though, thankfully. Uh, but if you have any, anything you want to see this week, potentially let us know. Uh, all I will tell you is uh, no roller coasters for me. You say going to New York, New York roller coasters, not happening. Just can tell you that right now. Uh, I have a feeling our guy, Sean is a big roller coaster guy. No, really? Wow. Okay. That actually is true. Sean's like six foot seven. Like he, he, he might actually be too tall for, uh, for, for, for any sort of real roller coaster on the show today. Uh, uh, John Jansen radio host out of Philadelphia, Fox sports, the gambler going to join us. Uh, really knows his stuff. Uh, also going to be in town this week here for super bowl week. So we'll talk with John, uh, in about 15 minutes from now. And, you look at what happened yesterday, real quick, before we get into all football-related props and college hoops today. Uh, I just want to go through a few things in college hoops that, that really stood out to me. Uh, and I want to start, I want to start in, in, in Chapel Hill real quick, where I got to give North Carolina a whole lot of credit for what happened yesterday in that game against 93-84. Carolina wins, Carolina covers, game goes over. You know, I've said this going through this year. I think there are three teams, despite what ratings may say, that to me are a clip above everyone else. I know Houston is still number one in Ken Palm. I know Kansas shot almost 70% from the field yesterday, but I'm still concerned about Houston's offense long term. The three teams that I think are still a clip above everyone are UConn. Nice, solid road win yesterday at the Garden, beating St. John's. Purdue, who we will get to in a little bit in a gigantic showdown today against Wisconsin on the road at the Kohl Center beginning at uh, about 1 o'clock Eastern time. And those Tar Heels, North Carolina. I know our guy Ryan McCormick would be happy to hear that. I, I, this is a really good North Carolina team. And, yeah, look, they've been better defensively this year. They weren't great defensively yesterday, but when that offense gets rolling, they are very, very difficult to slow down. And we saw that yesterday with, again, a Duke team that I just don't think can really defend that well. I know their defense comes in 36th, which is still top tier technically, just not elite. The other one yesterday in the SEC where – I thought for the longest time that Kentucky was a legitimate national title contender. I, until that defense gets figured out at all, they no shot. They have no shot. Yesterday, a 74-possession game 
which is fast. It's fast. But it doesn't excuse Kentucky giving up almost 1.4 points per possession to Tennessee. Quality win for the Vols on the road. Nice bounce back after the loss to South Carolina early in the week, where, of course, South Carolina went on the road and beat Georgia, breaking both Sean and I's hearts yesterday in the studio. Sean had a total over. Somehow didn't get there after a massive first half. I had Georgia money line. They blew that game completely again. Uh, but for Tennessee and Kentucky, I still don't fully buy Tennessee. I think they're good. I think they're a better Barnes-Tennessee team. But I don't think they show up like the numbers show in Ken Palm. I don't think they're a top six team. Kentucky, like I said, they better figure out that defense because it just seems to be getting worse. Other than that game against Arkansas recently, and I guess I can, can say that game against South Carolina as well, this week was a disaster defensively, allowing Florida to come back from multi-possessions down with a minute and a half to go earlier in the week, and then what, 103 points at home? Can't happen. Cannot happen whatsoever. Uh, if you're, uh, if you are the Kentucky Wildcats, uh, in that one. All right. The last one is, uh, again, just principles. When the Kansas Jayhawks are home underdogs, you just have to take them. Yesterday was their best performance. I would say of the whole season. I know some would argue that the game against UConn was better. The game against Tennessee was better. No, no, no. They were clearly, the whole day, the right side yesterday against Houston. And they carved Houston up. Carved them. They shot, again, I'm no mathematician here. They shot 78% from two-point range yesterday. That's pretty good. Almost 70% from the field total. And for Kansas, who, again, I have questions with them. I still don't think they have enough depth to make a big run in the NCAA tournament. But to their credit here, and you look at their resume, you had to have the loss to West Virginia and the loss to Central Florida, which are not particularly good losses. The other two losses are perfectly acceptable. Iowa State and Marquette on a neutral. Nothing wrong with that. Iowa State, by the way, played one of the better games of the day yesterday. Baylor beat them by two uh, in Waco. But you look at the, you look at the wins now, the quality of wins that, that Kansas has, the neutral win against Kentucky early. Neutral against Tennessee and Hawaii. Home against UConn. TCU. Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Houston. Now, granted, I haven't mentioned a road win. There are obviously the neutrals in there against the SEC teams. But the one thing I will say on the, uh, on the road games that they have left, tough trip to Lubbock, Texas Tech with a pretty tough loss yesterday to Cincinnati. Good win for the Bearcats. Got to go to Oklahoma. I don't think the Sooners are that good. At Baylor, difficult. At Houston, very difficult. But that was very impressive from KU yesterday in that win against the Cougars. All right, to today. We get all out of the gates with the best game of the day. And look, in a weekend that has had spectacular games across the board, at least on paper going into them, this is as good as any of them. Purdue on the road in Madison to take on Wisconsin. Purdue, two-point favorites. Total 143. It's as high as two and a half in the market. 
here at the South Point. It was two and a half earlier this morning. Got bet back. Show starts at 8.30. Got bet at 8.29, back to two. So it was a pretty pretty recent move. Total's been bet down from the preflop opener after being bet up. 144.5 to 145.5, down to 143. And you look at this matchup with Purdue coming off the overtime win at home against Northwestern. Wisconsin coming off a loss in overtime earlier in the week in Lincoln against Nebraska. This Wisconsin team is very different than the Wisconsin teams we have seen in recent memory. Now I know that they still play slow. 65 possessions per game, that's good for 318. But they have they are so much better offensively. Now, you look in the great guard era where all right, 2019 they were a 5 seed in the NCAA tournament, great on defense, not good on offense, okay? 2018, they're under 500 in that year. Bad offense. 2020, cancel tournament, 40th in offense, better on defense. 29th on offense in 21, 62nd on offense two years ago. Now, last year, they were 140th. When they upset Kentucky in 2015, they had the best offense in the country by Ken Palm. They now have a top 10 offense in the country again. And you look at the way that they beat you. They can beat you any which way. They beat you from drawing fouls. They beat you at the three-point line. They beat you on the offensive glass. They can do a little bit of everything. They also are great on the defensive glass, which is a difference for what they've been recently. And you know in a matchup today against Zach Eady, you're going to have to be great on the, on the defensive glass. Purdue, I actually am a little bit surprised they're not better on the offensive glass. They're 17th in the country, which is still very, very good. Borderline elite. I would have expected them to be better with the size that Edie presents. Again, on his way to winning the Naismith for the second consecutive year. I actually like the Badgers here in this game. This would be a bet on Wisconsin and Wisconsin only. I'll take a plus 115 money line on Whiskey here. I just think that this team, the way they are set up, actually matches up really well with Purdue. And... Even though Purdue is Purdue's the best offense in the country, they're 18th in defense, which is good. I still have a little bit of concerns with their defense because they want teams to play fast against them. So I wonder how they'll handle Wisconsin, who's going to be willing to drill the clock down and whittle the possessions away in this game. I also don't mind this game under. The only problem is I think we may have gotten too far now. Uh, that 145.5 earlier this morning, that was pretty good. You bet that under. If you did that, well done. Uh, now 143, 143 and a half, I think it's too low. I, think, I don't think you chase that uh, at this rate. The other games on the board today, there's a lot of mediocrity in the, uh, in the smaller conferences. The one that stood out to me, <laughs> you want a gross underdog? You want a gross one, Sean? How about Sienna? How about Sienna out of the MAC with two A's where his conference is down? Sienna takes on Mount St. Mary's. Sienna's terrible. They're terrible. They're 3-18. and 18. They're coming off a 41-point loss on Friday against Ryder, who's really not any good. They now come home to take on the Mount. First year up in the MAC with two A's for the Mount. They, they're all right. They're 8-13. They're pretty pedestrian. Sienna's 358th in Ken Palm. Uh... <laughs> 
Sean, there are 362 teams. Not good. There's only four teams worse than Siena. They're 358th in offense. They're 309th in defense. That's bad. They are bad, bad, bad. Now, again, you're taking numbers. You're not taking, you're not taking teams. Nine is the number right now on Siena. Getting the points. This is up from seven on the overnight. We've now reached the point where I think it's cool to take the Saints at home. Yes, I know they're terrible. Yes, I know they could get blown out because they're terrible. And it's the risk you run when you bet bad teams. But getting nine at home against a team that I'm still not convinced is all that good, you take your shot. Take your shot getting a nine. I'm not saying take the plus 350 money line. Take the nine with Sienna. Pretty gross basketball game there. Uh, pretty gross one having to bet it. But, hey, what you do when you bet in college hoops uh, day in and day out. Uh, Temple and Tulane. I know Sean yesterday. Sean was like, wait a second. You're not talking about Tulane? Even though they weren't on the board? So we got to talk about them today, right? Got to talk about them today. They are the over machine. Books know that with the ridiculous pace that Tulane plays. Uh, oh, 13th in the country, 73 possessions a game. Pretty efficient on offense as well. They take on a Temple team today at home that has really struggled on the offensive side of the ball, which makes this a pretty difficult ask to go over here. Now, if you're going to get this game to go over 153 and a half, I think you're going to need 90 plus from Tulane. You need 90. If you get 90, you're going to get there. Uh, 90 to 70 probably is good enough. Uh, but it would be a lean. It would actually be a lean to Tulane here, lane to 10. It's just going to be a matter of how many points we can get out of Temple in this one. The other games we'll look at, uh, let's get Nebraska-Illinois real quick because uh, we'll, uh, we'll save Providence and Villanova for our guy John Jansen who will join us in about two minutes. Nebraska's on the road. We know the home road splits with Nebraska. Nebraska's a nine-and-a-half point dog here against Illinois in Champaign. Illinois, excellent home court advantage. They're only lost this year's. Only losses this year to Marquette loss and that bizarre one to Maryland. Uh, that was in the middle of Terrence Shannon's suspension. Now you get Nebraska, who's coming off the emotional overtime win, and they stink away from Pinnacle Bank Arena. They have, so far this year, the only wins away from the bank are a neutral against Oregon State, and they beat K-State by 16. That's it. They've not been good on the road in conference play. Losses by 11, 16, 18. Rutgers, who's not good in overtime, and 22 to Maryland. Bad road team. So it would be only a play on the favorite at home with Illinois in this one against Nebraska. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We get back. John Jansen uh, out of Philadelphia, Fox Sports, the gambler. Actually, uh, Villanova basketball on that station there in Philly. We'll be able to talk about that matchup tonight against Providence and his thoughts on plenty of Super Bowl props and more. When we get back, Sports by the Book, South Point Studio. South Point is also proud to provide a variety of relaxing amenities for the guests who want to be pampered. Soak up the sun and let your stress melt away in our lagoon-style paradise swimming pool. A relaxing getaway where you can bask in the desert sun and enjoy seasonal food and bar service poolside. And if you really want to escape, come to Spa Costa del Sur. From couple suites to a co-ed wet area, our spa caters to business and leisure travelers who want to unwind. 
and elevate their senses. A visit to one of our spa's steam, sauna, or whirlpool treatment rooms will leave any guest feeling like they can take on the world. Our gaming amenities include over 60 table games and over 2,600 of the most popular slot and video poker machines. We have penny slots, including the popular Buffalo games and real machines like Wheel of Fortune, Triple Sevens, and Mega Bucks. If you prefer video poker, try Deuces Wild, Double Double Bonus, or a variety of multi-denomination games. Or try your hand at one of the most popular casino table games in the world, Blackjack. Don't let the game intimidate you. Blackjack, also known as 21, is both easy and fun. And our dealers are always happy to assist. And the best part, Blackjack always pays three to two. Next, check out the roulette tables. Roulette is one of the easiest casino games to learn and so much fun to play. It's a favorite of both beginners and seasoned players. In addition to Blackjack and Roulette, our casino pit features over 60 popular table games like Baccarat, Pie Gal Poker, Three Card Poker, Ultimate Texas Hold'em, and Mississippi Stud. So get out of your room and come join in the fun. Welcome back in. It's Sports by the Book here at the South Point Studio. I'm Jeff Parles. And now joining us, first time on this program, and, you know, maybe it was intentional by me to do this, but a uh, good friend of mine on the radio in the city of Philadelphia. He is a sharp guy, despite what I may say about him, uh, to his face and off the air. Our guy, John Jansen, with us right now, uh, uh, hosting from 3 to 6 Eastern time, Monday through Friday on Fox Sports, The Gambler. John, pleasure as always. Thanks for being with us. Today. That was a great, awesome introduction, Jeff. Thank you for that. <laughs> well, I, uh, hey, look, I really look, appreciate it. Look, when I go on with Sean Brace and, and yourself, I mean, look, Sean, Sean's the man with the good introductions. When you host, he does. who, who knows what we get? Introductions. Yeah, I was going to say, who knows where we may end up <laughs> uh, going on that. Uh, by the way, John and uh, John, Sean will be in, uh, in Vegas this week uh, as well. Uh, we'll have uh, hopefully have both of them in studio here at uh, one point. While uh, they are here. All right. I want to go real quick before we get into this, uh, this football game that's happening a week from today. The Villanova Wildcats, John, you've, you've covered them all year. They're, they're on your station there in, in, in Philadelphia. They are at home today. Four and a half point favorites against Providence. And this has not gone well for Villanova. Really? It was just that thing at the beginning of the year where they couldn't beat the Philly teams, but they beat everyone else, <laughs> including North Carolina earlier in the year. And you're like, all right, you know what? And just some weird outlier results. Uh, but since beating DePaul, which, all right, DePaul's terrible. We know that. By 25 on January the 12th, <laughs> they've not won. They were 4-1 and one in conference. Now they're 4-6. and six. Now they're at home. This game is at Wells Fargo, so at the bigger venue where uh, where the Sixers and the Flyers play, against a Providence team that I, I think is, they're okay, they're all right, but if Villanova can't find a, a victory here as a four-and-a-half-point favorite, uh, uh, this could be a very slow march to the finish line here over the last month plus. Yeah, they need to win their, their next five, uh, really. I think their next five games are very winnable. Some tough, I think a tough road game kind of mixed in there. Um, tough with Xavier. Mm -hmm. You know, Xavier's not the best team, but still going on the road in the Big East is really tough. Uh, so I, I think 
they they do have a chance to kind of get themselves back in the tournament and play themselves back in. But guard play has been a huge issue for them. Uh, Justin Moore, since he's come back from his Achilles injury uh, at the end of last year and then picked up another injury earlier this year, he hasn't looked like himself. Like, he didn't look like the guy before the, the final four run. They didn't have him for that run. But before that, though, before that injury a couple of years ago, he was great, and he should be their ball handler. He should be their next Colin Gillespie uh, he should be their next Jalen Brunson, and he's just not been that. So it's really health that concerns me for Justin Moore. I don't know how healthy he is, how great he's feeling, uh, but they really need him because they don't have any other guards that pick up. They have guards that, you know, can pick up some scoring. They have a good three-point shooter in Brendan Hawson coming off the bench. Uh, Mark Armstrong's a really good athlete, but none of them are ball handlers, can control in the half court, and that's a huge issue for them. And I don't know if that's ever going to really go away because they need Justin Moore to do it, and I just don't know. Right now with where he's at, uh, physically if he's capable of doing it you know it's and again remember of course Moore suffered that injury in the in the elite eight uh two years ago which feels like it was about 14 years ago at this point it feels like a long time <laughs> ago yeah when Villanova got to the final four probably Jay Wright's best coaching job in his final season uh By what, it, what it ended far. up being uh but look the big east man I, I will say this uh with this conference Connecticut who of course won the title last year where it was not a it was not a straight line for the Huskies last year, where it was they were awesome in non-con. They were actually under five hundred for a chunk of Big East play last year and then just destroyed everything in their path in the NCAA tournament. Uh this is a different different deal for this Husky team where their only two losses are a loss at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Nothing wrong with that. And the conference opener in a game McCling got hurt early in the game against Seton Hall. Uh since that loss to Seton Hall, they've Racked off oh, now a uh, nation second best 10 straight. They beat St. John's comfortably yesterday. Uh, the gap just feels like it's getting wider and wider between them and the rest of the conference. And that's with Marquette and Creighton still looking like top 20 teams pretty easily, John. Yeah, it's actually, I think, an interesting conference this year. There is a kind of group in the middle that is mm -hmm. just kind of all grouped together. Uh, but yeah, UConn is, UConn's definitely widening the gap. And uh, there are, I, th I think, a few teams that have kind of, uh, we've been able to narrowly focus on, I think, as the top teams in college basketball. I think we saw one of them last night in UNC. Uh, but also uh, UConn. UConn's looked like the best team all year. That was an awesome win against St. John's on the road. Big game. You know, Rick Pitino and Dan Hurley uh, don't like each other. Uh, I heard so that is you know they 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 put up a really good fight against a good St. John's team that was ready to I think battle and UConn just looked that much better so yeah they they're the best team in the Big East they might be the best team in college basketball and you're right there's some good teams but uh, Creighton and Marquette don't have that level of consistency I mean Creighton heck their first conference game was a home loss to Villanova so they've had their ups and downs they're still playing extremely well but they've had their ups and downs uh no team to me has, has quite been as consistent as uh dan hurley's uconn huskies now look they're to me clearly the best team in the country now does that mean they're going to win the title of course not it's college basketball of course it's uh, much any, anything can happen in march uh but right now I, I think they're pretty clearly at least to me they i have them number one uh purdue at number two and north carolina number three at least for me at the moment uh, the, the, I do want to ask you about the big game that's coming at the top of the hour, uh, well, top of next hour, Purdue on the road at Madison to take on Wisconsin, uh, Purdue's two point dogs in this game, John, I, I like the Badgers. I actually do it. This is a very different Wisconsin team than what we're used to under great guard. They look like a Bo Ryan team where yes, they play slow, but they're very efficient on offense. 
Uh, total has been banged down, not surprisingly, from 145 and a half to 143. Yeah, but that would have to make me want to bet Wisconsin again after I bet them against Nebraska, and I don't know if well, I want to do that. Why did you do that? I got burned bad, Parles. <laughs> I know. I'm down so bad after that one. I really, like, started diving into betting college basketball uh, last week, and that one burned me. So, I, look, I think Wisconsin is the right play. You're right. Uh, Purdue, you know, number two team in the country, really good. You know, Edie's still looking great. He, You know, he might be the best player in the country still. Uh, but I just don't I don't like their guard play still. It's it's something that's always kind of hurt them. And uh, I think you're right with Wisconsin. They they've kind of they've looked great. You know, the Nebraska lost. Nebraska's beaten some good teams on their home floor. So mm-hmm. that's not something that should be all that surprising. Wisconsin's still very good, and you're probably right to side with them. I just can't do it in my heart of hearts, knowing uh, what they did to me last time. All right, before we get to the NFL, I just have to ask you because this is the talk of the NBA right now with Joel M- Embiid suffering the knee injury. Everyone's going off about the 65-game minimum for reward, for awards where I, I don't want to say that it's being blamed for Embiid playing through an injury he probably shouldn't have, but some people are kind of drawing that line. I, I'm just asking this. Forget the awards talk for a second. Just long-term for the Sixers here this year. I know Maxie's been a revelation, but uh, this is an Eastern Conference. I know Boston has been dominant, but they've had problems in the playoffs. Doc Rivers is now the equalizer in Milwaukee. Uh, for other teams, I- I'm not buying the Knicks or the Cavs in the playoff scenario. I- I- if you're the Sixers, what do you do here with Embiid? Do you just shut him down until he's 100%, even if that's uh, on April 1st when he's 100% at this rate? Yeah, and and the thing is, I don't know what 100% looks like because he was also already dealing with a knee injury to his other knee before this meniscus happened. Uh, so I... I don't know what to make of it. I, I was kind of fearful. I'm kind of, I hate to say I'm glad that it was meniscus, but we know it's a tear and it was a meniscus. I really thought the diagnosis was going to be, look, this is just how it's going to be for the rest of his career. Uh, he's going to be dealing with knee issues. And for the most part, he is. Uh, but I thought the long-term diagnosis was going to be much worse. But for this year, yeah, I mean, you got to shut him down. You got to make sure he's healthy. And again, both knees are healthy because that was a big problem um, in the game that he did end up getting hurt with that meniscus tear. He was already not looking great. And for the Sixers, you know, I, I don't know what they do because it was almost like Joel Embiid was forcing their hand and Tyrese Maxey too, forcing their hand to go all in a little bit because this is the best maybe Tyrese Maxey's ever going to play. He's an all-star this year. Joel Embiid's having his best year. And now this injury just, I mean, it changes everything. So I think they're, they're still going to have most likely the same course of action. Just get a guard, some type of capable guard that can come off the bench and be a ball handler. They need a ball handler big time. Uh, because Maxie's been great in that role, but he's more of an off-ball guy, very good shooter, and he's much better off-ball than with it. But he's still, you know, great point guard. So if they don't, that's fine. But they need somebody else. I think they need a backup. And also now you got to get a big. Uh, Mo Bamba can't be getting minutes. Uh, they they have to get another big. I don't know what that looks like, but they they cannot continue to roll out Mo Bamba on a on a game-to-game basis. So yeah, it's it's a weird spot to be in because the season looked so promising, and you know their their best players were having career years, and now one of them's hurt and likely for a long time in this season. So I'm, I, it's a bad spot to be in. It's a spot they're all too familiar with, though, with Joel Embiid. Uh, but I imagine the same course of action is going to be taking place for Daryl Morey. Just get a ball handler, get a backup big, and hope Embiid comes back healthy before the playoffs. John Jansen of Fox Sports, the gambler in Philadelphia, with us right now here on Sports by the Book. All right, uh, I guess we should. Can you talk- finally ask me a football question. Yeah, Jeff? I was, I, you know, I was going to talk about. I, I was, I was about to say we should probably <laughs> talk about the football game, uh, which is happening uh, about seven miles due north of here. Uh, actually, not even seven miles, about five miles uh, due north of here. 
from the South Point. So Kansas City's a two-point dog, John. Let's just let's just go into traditional sense before we get into all the props that are available to us across uh, the country and here at the South Point. Uh, two-point favorites. Totals 47 and a half. Uh, the floor is yours. What do you think about this from a traditional sense? It's such an odd spot because we're going off of a, a two-game sample size of the playoffs where everything that San Francisco did well during the regular season, they didn't do well in the playoffs. They got off to bad starts. They had to make comebacks. Brock Purdy is throwing more interceptions, uh, putting the ball in harm's way. And Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs get in the playoffs. They're awesome in the first half. I think they're averaging uh, just over 15 points per game in the first half. You know, So they're getting big leads. They're letting their defense kind of just pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is not turning the ball over all that much, even though I don't think it was a terrible turnover problem he had this year. He's been very careful with the ball while also still being dangerous down the field, getting Travis Kelsey involved. So this it's it's been kind of a, a reversal of both these teams so if you would have asked me at the end of the regular season if this was the matchup who I would pick it would easily have been the 49ers but everything's changed to me I think the Chiefs can actually play a clean game I think the Chiefs can get a lead early on I think the Chiefs will be able to run the ball which you can run the ball against the 49ers they're terrible in run efficiency uh, run defense efficiency so I, I think this game actually is starting to favor Kansas City and the way that this game could potentially go. If the 49ers start with the same problems they've had in the first half and Brock Purdy throwing interceptions in the first half like he was, I don't think they'll be able to come back in this game against the Kansas City Chiefs in that defense, especially with Spags, the defensive coordinator there for Kansas City, doing a marvelous job in the postseason. It's going to be extremely difficult. Uh, I think, again, on paper, this 49ers are the better team. They should be the favorite. Uh, they, they've been one of the best teams all year and the highest rated team all year by the books. Uh, but this, this to me, er everything's changed. I got to go based off of what I've seen recently, not what I've seen throughout the regular season. And right now, I think Kansas City is the better football team. You know, it, it, it's, it's interesting because you're right. If this matchup, first off, it, it, after what we saw on Christmas, forget the Niners losing to the Ravens or whatever. Well, at that point, I chalked it up to, all right, the Ravens are really good. And, you know, the Brock Purdy turns the ball over, the Niners are going to be in trouble regardless of who they play in the playoffs. But earlier that day, the Chiefs, again, it's going to get lost lost in, in the history books if the Chiefs end up winning a week from today, where they lost the game to a team that had a quarterback who didn't complete a pass for the final three quarters. So, like, we're, we're like that's one of the most ridiculous losses an eventual Super Bowl champ may have ever taken, in all honesty, when, when push right. comes to shove. But, no, they're, 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 you're right. And you and I, you and I talked about this when I when I was on with you and Sean uh, uh, earlier in the week last week, where Kansas City looks like the team they did last year on offense. Now, not quite as explosive, but the biggest difference is, and and it all comes back to number fifteen, Patrick Mahomes forced the ball more than he ever did during the regular season this year, John. And the turnover numbers were up. They were inefficient. The uh, Mahomes was making mistakes we never see him make. He went back to what he did last year, where he just took whatever the defense gave him. He was making smart decisions. He's not pressing. If a guy happens to be open 20 yards down the field, all right, I'll take the shot. I'm not going to force it in there in a triple coverage like he did most of the year. And against the Niner defense, that I, 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 that's the biggest thing in this postseason for me. Forget that they have had to come back. The Niner defense has been terrible early in games so far this postseason. Yeah, they've adjusted, but... I, I think part of that may just be the fact that the the opposing teams let them get their feet wet and, and let them back in the game. 
But I'm, I, if you get down 14 points against Kansas City, like San Francisco, uh, 17 to, to Detroit, double digits to Green Bay, you're not coming back in this game, more so because of that defense and more so because the quarterback on Kansas City side is not going to make mistakes here, John. No, he's not. And that's that's going to be the interesting thing. We've seen Andy Reid, though, in, in Super Bowls, his teams not start off all that hot. So that's that's going to be an interesting part of this as well. Uh, you know, Andy Reid's won a couple Super Bowls now, but still, even in those games, they didn't start off all that hot. But I, I think that's been an amazing thing for them in the playoffs is Andy Reid's put on a master class. Like as much as we can point at Spags probably doing the better coaching job in Kansas City, uh, Andy Reid's first few drives, his scripted plays have been unbelievably good. And the same way Detroit was. Detroit scripted up a really good first couple of drives. They got this big lead. I think Andy Reid can do the same. And it, you're right. If that happens, then the Chiefs are – that's perfect for what the Chiefs want to do because Patrick Mahomes now is taking care of the ball. The defense is playing extremely well, and they run the ball. Kansas City's running the ball a ton. Isaiah Pacheco has had over 20 carries in two of the three games in the playoffs, and I expect him to get over 20 in this game. So it really is just kind of this odd reversal for Kansas City where they want to get a lead to, to just help their defense. Their offense is doing everything they can to help defense. And I think really the great thing they did in the second half against Baltimore, Baltimore's a great defense. You weren't going to score lot of points but they tried at least to get some sustaining drives not too many three and outs that they had keep their defense on the field and fresh give their defense good field position to work with don't turn the ball over don't give any cheap yards and that's what Kansas City's offense did and it's it's helmed by Patrick Mahomes who we think you know, he is the big play guy and he made big plays against Baltimore you know a couple of throws of Travis Kelsey that were amazing the touchdown throw especially was great uh, MVS at the end was awesome so he can the big playability is still there and he's making those big plays but in in between that, he's he's working very smart, and it's a lot like what Brady used to do uh, towards the end of his career in New England, and even the beginning of it. Just really, um, and everybody hates this term now, but managing the game, knowing and understanding, hey, our offense isn't what's going to win us this game. Our defense will. Let's help our defense out, and that complimentary football has been perfect for them, and it's won them the three games, and I really do think it's going to help them win this game against San Francisco. So just uh, looking at this real quick uh, from a prop perspective, John, where, by the way, I, I brought this up on Friday's show. I, uh, I always do the list of props to consider uh, going, in, <laughs> going into the Super Bowl. Uh, we're over 50 to consider this year, which is always. Yeah, a, I was about to uh, ask that uh, number. Always. The, the total was going to be set at 49 and a half. So I yeah, we went over barely. We went over. Yeah. It was actually, <laughs> I actually set a bigger number on Friday. And then of course, naturally I miscounted because sometimes I'm What's not the same. biggest that list has gotten? What year? Oh no. The, the, the most ridiculous one was last year because. In Did a, you hit triple digits? Uh, no, no, it never got there. Okay. But, but, <laughs> but last, no, last year it was just. I, I, I liked both of those teams. It was Mahomes. The question in that game was, Jay, was Jalen Hurts going to be able to produce? And that's, even though they lost, it was the best game of Jalen Hurts' career. Uh, so, if, look, that was the day if you had overs. You were, you, were, you, were, you were in amazing shape on that one. Uh, just looking real quick, though, prop-wise through this, John, are there guys that you're looking to target for props, whether it's an over-machine over or an under machine um, more than anything in this game? 
Yeah, it's going to be Isaiah Pacheco carries. A yards okay. is going to be tough because they're not, you know, they're not the best running team, but they stick with it now. Uh, and I think that this is the game they're going to have to stick with it because they they know how dangerous the 49ers are. As good as Kansas City's defense is, they know the 49ers have a big play waiting at any time because of Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, and Brock Purdy does play well. And he has played well in these playoffs, albeit maybe some turnover problems that could haunt him in this game. But still, it's, it's an explosive offense, and they know that. Uh, so I think they're going to want to keep the clock, want to keep their defense off the field and keep San Francisco's offense off the field. Uh, and I think that's going to be produced in the running game. It's probably going to get into some really awkward scenarios where Patrick Mahomes has to bail him out of like a third and long potentially, but they trust him. They know he's capable of that and he's good enough to do that. And Travis Kelsey has been awesome in the postseason. So you trust those guys maybe in, in bad situations and bad third and long distances. Uh, but the running game is going to be important to them. I think Isaiah Pacheco has – it's 16 and a half, I think, is attempts are uh, that I've seen. Uh, but I'm over that. I think he's going to get 20. I think he's going to easily get over 20. He's probably going to get close to the 24 that he's gotten in two of the three games. Uh, but they stick to the run here. Their only reason I'm not bullish on yards, uh, even though San Francisco, not a great rush defense uh, efficiency-wise – the Kansas City Chiefs, again, not the best running team, uh, but I just know that they at least stick to it, and they're going to have to stick to it in this game. And Pacheco's the one. Pacheco's been, and even last year, he's been their guy. He's been one of the biggest keys and X factors to their Super Bowl run last year, and so far this year, he's been the biggest key for them as well. So Pacheco, to me, uh, he will be involved a lot, even got involved in the passing game. He lined up out wide, and I didn't even know he was capable of doing that and caught a pass. So they're going to use him, but I imagine it's going to be mostly in the backfield running the ball. So uh, you want the uh, you want the Pacheco considers on my list real quick while we're uh, while we're on the subject. Oh, yeah. The yeah, considers yeah. I ahead. have are Pacheco first rushing attempt attempt over three and a half. Pacheco like Pacheco over rushing yards uh, sixty six and a half sixty five and a, looking for sixty five and a half uh, sixty six and a half was the number I have listed. I have him under on his receiving yards. I don't think he's going to be utilized much on the receiving total. And then the interesting one, and the, again, chop around because you have a uh, uh, 17 and a half here. Uh, I think is, I like that better than the number that I have on my list. So uh, I would look to play that under. I like Pacheco to match up rushing yards against Christian McCaffrey, where 23 and a half were the initial numbers that I saw, I wouldn't be shocked if that goes up throughout the week. So I would look to do that where I think the way that all your props, John, and, and this is game flow wise, your props kind of have to be dictated by what you think the game flow of the game is going to be. I think the Niners are going to have to chase here, which means they're going to have to abandon the run or run less than they would want to. And if Kansas City's trying to salt this thing away, it's going to mean more action on the ground for Pacheco. So that would lead to both of us with what you're saying, betting Ch Pacheco, especially rushing attempts over. Kansas City gets a lead early. They have a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. They're going to be running the ball. They're really not going to throw the ball at all. So, again, a lot of your props have to be dictated by what you think the game flow is going to be in this game. I think you and I are kind of in the same boat here where the Niners are going to be chasing and Kansas City is going to have a lead and maybe even a double-digit one in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's exactly the game script I'm looking for. I love that bet. Uh, I didn't see that one. So the matchup with Christian McCaffrey, that's you know, that's a lot of yards for him to get over on uh, on Isaiah Pacheco. And I just, I don't think Christian McCaffrey is going to have enough carries to do that. Uh, so Kansas City's defense, like they can be run on a little bit. So McCaffrey is going to have some success. 
Uh, but for as much as I, I trust mostly him getting the carries, Isaiah Pacheco, um, there is a chance that he does end up, I think he gets close to 80, 90 yards in this game. You know, so it's it's probably the right bet to take. Christian McCaffrey would have to have a monster, monster, monster game. And I, I just don't think that's going to happen because they're going to be chasing. It's going to be more on the shoulders of Brock Purdy, which then leads me to like Brock Purdy throwing some interceptions. I haven't seen the interception prop yet. Uh, but I do think I'm going to put that in uh, because Brock Purdy has been throwing a lot more picks. He's been putting it in harm's way more. Uh, and if there's a bet for uh, two or more picks, I would probably go for that as well with Brock Purdy. Uh, I just think that that's how we're going to see this. It's going to be a passing game for the 49ers trying to come back in this game. And Kansas City is the one that's going to be trying to play keep away. And that leads to, you know, a lot more of Isaiah Pacheco props than it does Patrick Mahomes props, which is an odd thing to say in the Super Bowl. Well, the thing, as we all know, again, I'm uh, uh, on the MVP front, as we know, it's going to be, to me, it's going to be very hard for if Kansas City wins, that Mahomes not doesn't win the award unless we get some weird, like, get a game script where Pacheco's running for 120 yards or Kelsey scores multiple touchdowns and then the narrative's totally complete. That could happen too. And Kelsey's people, been And the people with the tinfoil hats are, are really having a fun time on a, a week from today. Uh, but I will say this on the Niners side, just to, before we let you go here, if it's a non Brock Purdy MVP on the Niners side, is it automatically mean that it was a big time McCaffrey game or would it be some, or would it be a Debo Samuel game? Do you think if we were to look at the MVP and it's not Brock Purdy? Yeah, because this is this is kind of you know bleeding over from the regular season MVP conversation. Is it Christian McCaffrey or is it Brock Purdy? Uh, but I think for this single game, it's going to be quarterback. You know, I I think if you are betting MVP, one of the one of the better bets because San Francisco is the favorite and Brock Purdy's not the favorite to win MVP. So the quarterback of the team that is favorite, even though I'm going with Kansas City, but just the way this this is going with the lines and uh, how everything's set up, like the the answer to me is like Brock Purdy is the one that should be the bet for MVP, not Patrick Mahomes, uh, not you know Travis Kelsey, whatever it is, not Christian McCaffrey. If the 49ers win and with the way that we're kind of talking about that, if it's a comeback or 49ers, if they do end up getting a big lead it's probably going to be because of Brock Purdy and Brock Purdy's numbers are going to be up uh, I, I think Purdy's the one that wins MVP you know I, I even even though the regular season MVP conversation I we talked about differently and I talked about a lot differently I thought Christian McCaffrey uh, was certainly more of an MVP than Brock Purdy was during the regular season still during this game we, we know what the answer is to who they would give it to uh, and I, I don't see in any way that they would take it away from Brock Purdy. It usually goes to quarterbacks. Brock Purdy, yeah, seeing a plus 220, uh, I, I think that's that's a great number for a guy that's the quarterback of the favored team in this game. And the Niners favored by two. And, and John, it is very strange. I'll say this. It does not feel like anyone I know is on San Francisco this week. No, I've me. seen him pop up a little bit. Wait, wait, I've seen some pop up, but which not gives, many. Gives me a little bit of a hesitation, even though it's like, hey, it's Mahomes. He's an underdog. You take if he loses, you just take your medicine. But look, the Niners have been the number one power rated team basically all year long. So see how it goes. One week from today, again, our our, our Super Bowl day coverage uh, begins at eight thirty next Sunday, and we'll have stuff throughout the day before uh, the game kicks off at three thirty local time here in Las Vegas. He's John Jansen. Jay Jansen, 3-4 on the tweets. Fox Sports, the gambler in Philadelphia. John, pleasure as always, man. Thanks for hanging out this morning. 
Yeah, thanks for having me, and hopefully I can make my way to a beautiful South Point and hang out in the Please. studios and hang out with you there. Please, we, we'd love to have you and Sean Brace uh, in here uh, at Not some Sean. point. Okay, I'll keep oh, Sean. Oh, you're going to leave Sean? Are you going to leave Sean? Yeah, you leave throw Sean. him into the, yeah. into the lagoon? I got to sneak away from him at some point, Jeff. <laughs> I got to sneak away. Uh, well, uh, maybe I can help you with that. I'll, I will figure it out <laughs> uh, off the air. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to wrap things up here today on a Sunday. Sports by the Book, South Point Studio. Once you've satisfied your hunger, get ready for more of the hottest casino games in Vegas. Our 24-hour, 30-table, non-smoking poker room proudly hosts all the most popular poker games with a variety of betting limits. Visit the poker room for a schedule of daily tournaments. Whether you're going to hold them or fold them, the best place for poker is at South Point Casino. You'll notice that our craps tables are usually the loudest in the casino. If you've never played, Join one of our free craps lessons to find out what makes this game so exciting. Check with the craps dealer for schedules and give it a roll. Bingo is also an exciting way to spend your time. We offer seven sessions of bingo every day. And each session includes a cash ball jackpot, 12 bingo games, a progressive double action game, and a $10,000 bonus coverall. Electronic units are available. If you haven't played bingo with us, give it a try today. Guests can also get in on the action at our one-of-a-kind race and sports books. Two separate rooms designed to maximize your experience and comfort. Our sports book, with over 400 seats, puts you right in the middle of the action, 24 hours a day. The friendly ticket writers are happy to help, and it's conveniently located next to the famous Del Mar Deli, where you'll find supersized portions of delicious deli items like roast beef, pastrami, and Reuben sandwiches, or soups, salads, and pizza plus spectacular desserts fit for a king. And right next door is the race book, over 150 seats, each with its own TV screen. There are 16 interactive player terminals, so you can bet right from your seat. Welcome back in Sports by the Book here on a Sunday. I'm Jeff Parles. It's an empty chair next to me. They, oh, you got, we got to get the shot right there. It is. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the required shot. Uh, what is, what is myself? Uh, feel better, Alex. Uh, we'll hope to see you tomorrow. Again, our big game coverage begins tomorrow. Uh, Frank Nicotero and myself uh, will be around town tomorrow. Uh, Matt Neverd and Alex White, assuming Alex is feeling better. We'll have you covered here in studio. If Alex is not feeling better, we'll, uh, uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to do an audible. We'll have to do an audible, and we'll figure out where we go with everything else going on in town this week. Of course, Sean. By the way, our, our guy Sean in the corner, Andrew here as well, uh, making sure we're on the air and and functioning here today on a Sunday. Legitimately, like the worst. Legitimately, like the worst four day weather stretch I can remember here. The next four days, including today, is raining on the way in. It's eighty percent chance of rain tomorrow. It's 80% chance on Tuesday. Like, legitimately, it never rains here. <laughs> We're going to get three straight days of rain. After, remember last week was legitimately the best weather day we've had in six months. Like, last Monday and Tuesday, it was 70 degrees. It was gorgeous. And now we get this ridiculousness. Uh, whatever. Eh. Mother Nature is a, a weird way of uh, messing with all of us, as, as we know. Uh, but, uh, hey, look, thankfully the game's indoors. And by the end of the week, it's going to be at least 
what you would expect here in February in Vegas, around the mid-50s, low-60s. Uh, not too bad on that front. All right. I, before we get back into the Super Bowl talk, I, I just want to look real quick back at college hoops because there's one thing that actually I, I meant to bring up earlier and I forgot to because it's the last game of the day, and it's Arizona, who is once again just a gigantic, gigantic favorite against Stanford. Cats are 17 and a half point favorites in this game. 163 and a half the total. Now, we saw Arizona on Thursday smoke Cal. Cal then yesterday flipped around and hammered Arizona State. By the way, Arizona State is a massive fade for, for until further notice. He's just playing some horrible basketball right now. Arizona State is the Sun Devils. The Cats are taking on Stanford, who beat Arizona State earlier in the week. This Stanford team, remember, beat Arizona in Palo Alto by 18 on New Year's Eve. A 100-82 beatdown. Now, you don't see this very often where a team that loses by 18 flips around as an 18-point favorite, basically. In the next meeting, you don't see that very often in college hoops. I like the over in this game, actually. And it's been bet up. I don't love it as much as 163 and a half. It opened 162. But as we saw in the first game, Stanford is more than willing to run with Arizona. That was a 75-possession game in Palo Alto earlier in the year. By the way, my, uh, my seat just shrunk, as we love that, John. Um, the the Cardinal are willing to run in this game. And if you're willing to run with Arizona, any scores in play here with this Arizona team, as we know, it's just a matter of scoring enough. Uh, wouldn't shock me if Arizona scores 100 in this game. Wouldn't shock me one bit. And if they score 100, you just need to get in the 60s. You're getting in the 60s. I would expect Stanford to be in the mid-70s in this game. Uh, so we like over, even though it is a big number, and you're getting the worst of it at the moment at 163 and a half. All right. Let's go, let's go back to the big game a week from today. 3.30 next Sunday. Again, our coverage begins at 8.30 next Sunday. Alex White and I, Sports by the Book, two hours, getting you ready. And then Frank Nicotero will be on the air sporadically throughout the day. We'll be all over town. We'll be all over the property again. We have the uh, we have the graphic, Sean, for uh, what's going on on property here. Uh, as always, uh, upstairs, plenty of action upstairs. Game will be shown. Uh, there you go, grand ballroom, exhibit hall, showroom. Upstairs, the doors open at ten thirty. Food and drink specials, bedding windows available, and most importantly, most importantly, because if you're in town next week. You know what the deal is if you're down on the strip. It's free parking here as always. Free parking. As always here at the South Point, uh, we're looking forward to it. Uh, all, the big game, uh, all the big game parties uh, presented by Pepsi here at the South Point. Uh, Grand Ballroom, Exhibit Hall, Showroom. By the way, the Sportsbook will be open too uh, if you want to watch down here uh, at the Sportsbook. Plenty of places to watch on property here at the South Point on Super Sunday a week from now. So just looking at this again, Kansas City two-point underdogs right now. Niners still favored in the game. 
I, you know, I'm still in the camp that I like Kansas City in this game. Where, again, Patrick Mahomes is an underdog for the third consecutive week. How about that? Three consecutive games, Mahomes is a dog. It is the shortest dog that Kansas City has been against arguably the best power-rated team. Now, of course, this is a neutral as opposed to the true road games in Buffalo and Baltimore. This is also a game where travel doesn't matter here. It's going to be split down the middle fan-wise. I really do think that even though this is Kansas City in the Super Bowl yet again, four times in five years now. Las Vegas, the first one here. The Niners, remember, when they came here to Vegas to take on the Raiders last December, two Decembers ago now, that was like 80-20 Niner fans. And uh, now, granted, the Raiders, that was the first game with Jared Stidham. They benched Derek Carr. The season was lost. They scapegoated. They, there was a total scapegoating of Derek Carr at that point by Josh McDaniels, who we uh, obviously know was terrible. By the way, the Raiders hired Luke Getzey as their offensive coordinator last night. Good luck. That's all I'll say. Good luck. Um, the Niners, again, this is what's weird about this Super Bowl here, where the Niners were power rated all year long. And I brought this up with John in the last segment. All season long, the Niners were power rated what? Number one, number two, number three. And that number three might be the low end of the spectrum. The top of that power rated team basically the last two months of the season. Yeah, I know some may have moved Baltimore ahead of them, but they were no worse than two. Against a team in Kansas City where they had a power rate of top four at the beginning of the year, fell down, probably never lowered to nine. But for a Patrick Mahomes team, if they're not in the top quarter, that's pretty darn low. Very different than what <laughs> you expect out of Kansas City, especially where we've talked about it all year with this Kansas City team. Their defense, this is the best defense they've had by a pretty significant margin in the Mahomes era. They've also coupled it with the weakest offense they've had by a wide margin. So. When you look at this game and you see San Francisco too, and by the way, dime line on the money line behind us, so minus 125 on San Francisco, plus 115 on Kansas City. I don't know many people, if any, on the Niners right now. And that kind of scares me a little bit if you if for, for me liking Kansas City the way I do, where the Niners are by every, again, power rate at the top the whole year. The question, of course, comes down to had the mismatch at quarterback. And what is the Niners' plan in this game? Can the Niners, the defense, which is really, again, early in these playoff games, against the Packers and the Lions, and look, the Lions' offense was great all year. I mean, Green Bay somehow only had six points in that first half. They were in a red zone basically the whole half. They had 15 in the third quarter. Fourth quarter, the only reason Green Bay was held scoreless because the kick was missed by Carlson. And then the Lions at 24, which was basically the lowest that they could have had in the first half. Credit to the Niners, again, holding the Lions to only one touchdown in the second half. But if you get off to a slow start here, now, yes, the Niners came back from 24 to 7 down at halftime against Detroit a week ago. But I don't see them coming back against Kansas City. This is a big difference in the defenses they have faced so far in this postseason. Green Bay is bad defense this year. The Lions bad defense the last two months. Now you're facing a defense that has been awesome all postseason and has been great all year. 
it is a very different type of matchup for San Francisco. Prop-wise, again, in this game, we talked about it a little bit Friday, talked about it a little Jansen. Throughout the week, I'll be putting the props out. No worry about that. We'll have them all that Alex and I bet throughout the week. Uh, maybe maybe we'll even put them in, on the website. Who knows? Uh, the South Point Studio website uh, throughout the week. We'll see how it plays out again. A lot to get to throughout the week. Our coverage of the big game throughout town begins tomorrow evening. Uh, make sure you're following us on social media. Get me on the tweets at Jeff Parles. Again, get us at the South Point Studio. So post Studio LV. And of course, don't forget Frank Nicotero, who again will be around town with me all week long at Frank Nicotero, Alex White at Alex White with an extra E on the end of White throughout the week. Uh, getting all the coverage here in town for the big game. All right. Before we go here today, there's a recap on the college hoops end. Right now, Purdue, two-point favorites against Wisconsin. Total 143.5. I like the Badgers. Rather take the plus 115 price as opposed to take the two with Wisconsin. Like them outright to pull that upset against Purdue. We're on Siena, ugly underdog. Plus nine against Mount St. Mary's in the MAC with two A's. And then again, over in Arizona and Stanford on a lean. Again, I don't love that this total's been bopped up all the way to 163 and a half, but I still think we're good there. I fully expect a high scoring game for that one. All right. That's all we'll do here for today. For Andrew and Sean, great work in the corner over there. Sean will, uh, Enjoy your, enjoy your off days the next few days. Enjoy that. Uh, I'm Jeff Parles. We'll see you again tomorrow. Punchlines at noon. Frank Nicotero gets your day started. Matt Neverd, Alex White get it going at three with Sports by the Book. And again, coverage on social media of all the events going on this week in Las Vegas. And of course, make sure if you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, if you're watching us right now, subscribe right now. Get it going. Get on there. We'll have plenty of short content throughout the week on our YouTube page. You're not going to want to miss it. Frank is going to have a lot of special guests this week. May have uh, some prominent names as well coming tomorrow. I'm Jeff Parles. We'll see you again. Sports by the Book, South Point Studio.